G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Connecting faith to life. Vision. Coming up today on The Story. You get in thinking, oh yeah, I'll do this, it's okay. There's a driving instructor there and then when you're going at 120k knowing that your blind daughter is driving you, you're thinking, (laughs) stop, I want to get off. (laughs) The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Today, once again, we learn about what it's like to go through life without being able to see. Kim Black was born blind and will share more about her life journey and some of the unique challenges she faces on an everyday basis. As we heard last time, her spiritual eyes have been opened and that she can see, but just in a different way. Kim Black, along with her mother Sue, are having a chat with Eric Scadabo in our Melbourne studios, and the conversation has turned to the time she travelled alone in the UK. Now, if I went to the UK, I would go see Big Ben and all the tourist things, but I'm wondering, would that be of any interest to you? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think partly just for the sake of saying you've been, but there's always something to appreciate. You know, I went to uh, St. Paul's Cathedral in London with one of my aunties and it was very ornately decorated and I was, you know, there were definitely things that I could touch and things that were described to me and that sort of thing. You sort of get a sense of the atmosphere around you and Hmm. watching people's reactions and hearing the way they talk, you know. You do definitely miss out on the visuals, and that that can be hard, but it can be great just for understanding the history and, you know, what's actually there. So you went, quote-unquote, sightseeing. <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> you just do it but, in an entirely different way. Yeah, yeah, fascinating. What about movies? I'm just... I enjoy the movies. So are there movies that describe what's happening on the screen? Yeah, um... Nowadays in cinemas, there are showings where they've got like audio description and you get like this kind of radio thing before the movie starts and you've got a pair of headphones and it'll actually describe what's happening as the movie's playing. So when somebody's saying, hey, the latest movie is Star Wars or whatever. Then I would go and see it with them, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So now getting back to the UK, any other adventures there? The whole thing was just an adventure, really. Like you By know. yourself. That, that's <laughs> By the part myself. I can't get over. By yourself. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't think if somebody put a blindfold on me and said, go find my car in a car park. Yeah. Look, I think getting lost is kind of scary, though it is. It's yeah. part of the fun. Um, it's a good way to part meet people. Part of the fun? Well, yeah. Well, that's a nice way of looking well, at it. Well, it, it, it can be part of it. You can find things and people that you might never have come across. <laughs> things and people. But, well, what would be an example of this? Oh, like, you know. It could even be something like, oh, I've turned up the wrong street, but there's a really nice restaurant there that I, I didn't know about. I might go and try that out, you know, like, or it might be that, you know, I have had situations. I remember this was in Australia coming home from school one day and I accidentally caught the wrong bus or was about to get on the wrong bus and someone who I'd never spoken to in class but was one of my classmates came up to offer help and it actually led to a really good friendship. Oh, wow. So... Yeah, because they could see you were going to be in trouble if you got on. Yeah, yeah. And, but they came up to you and helped you. They came up and helped, and consequently meant like, oh, you know, we're obviously catching the same bus, so we chatted on the way home. And next thing, it kind of led to a friend request on Facebook, and 
you know, quite a good friendship um, yeah. formed after that. So Okay, you, now you mentioned Facebook. I know that you you live on your phone practically. It <laughs> it's is my lifeline. <laughs> it's a bit sad really. But the way it works is it's all audio. Yeah, so uh, like with my computer, my phone's got a talking program on it. Um Is it fast? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's really fast. So your ear has picked this up over time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's basically almost unintelligible to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you so you're just kind of what, what? How does it work? You put your finger on the screen, and it just says what you're touching. Yeah, you can. You you kind of swipe your finger around, and you double tap on something, and it opens it. Definitely, the prospect of having an iPhone wasn't particularly inviting in the beginning, you know, with a touch screen. And I think I would still prefer to have a phone that's actually got buttons on it. But the Apple technology for someone who's totally blind is is absolutely fantastic. Well, I, you must be on that phone a lot because I know when I sent you a friend request, you replied. Yeah, pretty in, much in, straight in away. Probably about three seconds. <laughs> probably. Yeah, I'm on it a lot. Um, I sort of joke about it being a lifeline, and I think um, it's sort of true. Like, you do everything on your phone these days. So, you know, like anyone else, I, I would use, you know, Google Maps and, you know, send texts and Facebook and, you know, Messenger and. So modern you know, technology is really helping you be involved in a whole lot of things. Absolutely, absolutely. Even, um, you know, for some of the more practical tasks as well, um, you can actually get, you know, apps on your iPhone that will scan barcodes and tell you what's, what a food product is or something. Oh, I've yeah, an app for, for shopping. You're trying to shop for something. How do you know what's in front of you? Yeah, um, obviously online shopping is good there too, but, yeah, just for working through what's in the cupboard, like – I live with four other people, five other people, so there are times where things get moved around. It's inevitable. Yeah. Um, and you yeah, want to you eat some cereal, and you accidentally grab, I don't know. Yeah, I have a recollection of accidentally putting juice on my cereal once growing up. <laughs> <laughs> Your mother's shaking her head. Yeah. <laughs> it so, it so, definitely happened. So, uh, yeah, that, that might not taste too well. No. So, so actually knowing what's in it. So, you boy, the, your phone would be like an extension of your arm. Yeah, very much so, yeah. The other thing is I, I play this game called Swish, which is kind of an adapted version of Table Tennis for the Blind. And Table Tennis for the Blind? Yeah. I have no idea what that would, what, what that would entail. So the bat's kind of like a paddle, like a, I don't know, like a flat rounders bat almost. Like it's kind of rectangular and, yeah, fairly small. And so the table's got sides, sideboards on it. And on top of that rests a big wooden board. They call it the net, but it's obviously not made of net. It's made of wood. And the aim is to hit the ball, which has bells in it, under the net. And you score points by hitting it off the end. So, yeah, I've been involved in quite a few competitions for that over the years as well. That is fascinating. I definitely have to see the game of Swish, it's called. Yep. Now, another thing that I've learned that you do is... You have learned to know how big a room is or how to navigate through Echo, or do I have this right? Yeah. Um, yeah. How, so how does this work? There's uh, something that that I've been taught called echolocation, which is basically by means of the click of your tongue. Yeah, you can you can use that the kind of bounce back that comes from that to to determine what's what's happening around you and okay. Can size you of a room. demonstrate for us? That's the kind of click. Um, and based on that, do you know how far the wall is from you right now? There's one really close, about a meter to my right. You are exactly right. Um, Although I was told that you have a challenge in this room because there is very little echo because there's carpeting on the walls. 
yeah, uh, obviously, yeah, carpet kind of absorbs the sound. So echolocation isn't the easiest in here. But, yeah, definitely, like, for finding, you know, hard, you know, brick walls or metal walls or fences or poles or even uh, staircases, stairs going up, um, I can detect you can that tell- by use of a click. Wait a second. You can tell if there is a stairs, if the stairs are in front of you based on a click? Yeah. Only stairs going up, though. Echolocation doesn't detect a drop-off. So if it's stairs going down, not going to pick that up. Although I would think knowing stairs if there's up. stairs going down would be very important. Uh, yeah, I've that- had a few pretty interesting incidences. One of those in the UK, actually. I oh, boy. fell down a flight of stairs and oh. landed on my back, bruised some of the discs. So that was pretty sore. Oh, wow. But now normally the cane, I think, would... I don't use a cane at home, but oh, yes. Oh, okay. So, based on the echo, you can tell that there's a stairway going up in front of you. Yeah. How does an echo sound that tells you that, and it's not a wall? Um, well, because of the sound, like as you click, it's bouncing off the stairs. You can tell that it's bouncing back from further away from you with each step that the sound of your click hits. So as the sound, you know, moves up and further away from you, you can tell that, that it's not just going straight up. Um, like, like a wall. It, if it was a wall, it would just go straight up. The sound wouldn't bounce back from further away from me wherever it hit. I know I've, I've seen some pretty amazing echolocation. Um, there's a, a man in America who, who, that's his profession, he's blind, and he actually teaches blind kids and, well, adults as well how to get around just using echolocation Um Obviously, the use of a cane is still very important. Um, I've often been asked, what would you do, the click or the stick? I think both The click or the stick. The click or the stick, yeah. Um, (laughs) I think both of those things have their purpose, but um, echolocation is just absolutely brilliant. It's um, really enabled me to enhance my mobility, so... Now, if there's something there to echo... So, so like, if it's a light pole, that would have one kind of echo, or is is there any kind of echo... I'm just thinking I'm walking down the street. Um, yeah, well, different surfaces kind of have different sort of sounds. Um, so like a wire fence versus a brick wall is a good example. Um, is there any echo from a wire fence? There is, yeah. Is there really? Yeah. But it's obviously quite thin and, you know, yeah. there's holes in it. So, yeah. you know, obviously that's quite different, vastly different from a solid brick wall or a wooden fence. Um, I remember being challenged once to actually walk along a wall and echolocate the drain pipes. Could you? Yeah. So you it's pretty hard, it but bounced I could. back, the sound bounced back. Yeah. I didn't touch the wall. I just used my echo. I was just like, just, okay. one here, one here, like, just as I walked along. You were able to locate drain pipes just by going, oh, okay, I can't even do it. <laughs> oh, yeah, close enough. <laughs> yeah. I know. What, what, how, do you, how do you make this? It's kind of... The tongue kind of it's like suctions with the roof of your mouth, I guess. I, I, that was... What? I can't... Yeah. Your, it's yours is a higher pitch. I was just going... Yeah, I guess, obviously, um, you know, people have different clicks that work for them. Some people just walk along using their fingers. Oh, really? So you, so you think they're just really cool, but they're actually... Yeah, yeah, they're actually... <laughs> Some people kind of have more of a sort of sound. Other people... So basically, it's, a sharper it's click, whatever so. works for you. Yeah, personal preference. Some people can even do it just by... The noise of their cane or like uh, of their their footsteps, um, you know, the sound from that will bounce back at you. Yeah. And and some people can manage with that. I would have to say when I go for a walk, whether or not the sound I make or 
is bouncing off anything. It's completely, it's, it's going by me. I'm not even paying attention to this. I, from now on, uh, get a Get to, a blindfold on you. We'll work on your click. <laughs> that would be fascinating. It's like some kind of weird Morse code. I remember being at an <laughs> echolocation sem- seminar, and one of the things was let's go around the table and hear everybody's clicks. So, and were they yeah, all was, different? Yeah, they were. There were some people couldn't do it at all. Some, like me, you know, obviously being quite experienced at it, I had a fairly sharp sort of click, and then there was everything in between. So, and you've been doing it for how long? I reckon I first started it when I was maybe about eight or nine. Um, what started it originally was I was doing some orientation around my uh, new school. And the person who was showing me how to get around was getting me to trail along the wall with my hand. And I turned around and said, I'm not going to do that. I can hear it. And she was kind of like, what? You know. Now, were you what? taught this? You just picked this up intuitively? It was something I was kind of able to do passively, I think. I would, I, I just knew where the wall was. I could sense it by, by means of hearing. And, yeah, further uh, research on the part of my instructor led to finding the knowledge of, of echolocation. And it was just something that she encouraged me to Oh wow! To try out, and so yeah, from about nine years old, that was um, a part of our session. It started off with bigger objects. I remember walking along the wall, and yeah, she would get me to find the alcoves in the in the wall and the doors and things. And then, as it got small, you know, as as I got better, it would be smaller objects that we would look for poles and things like that. Wow, so. that's just amazing. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Kim Black, along with her mother, Sue, about her life as a blind person. As we just heard, Kim has learned how to navigate her way around using something called echolocation. And this is something that we can all try out. Just make a sharp noise in front of a flat surface, and as you get closer to it, you'll notice that if you listen closely, the echo will change. Fascinating. We'll have more of Kim's interesting insights when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with Eric Scadabo chatting with Kim Black about aspects of her day-to-day life as a blind person. It's interesting to hear how modern technology is helping her in various ways. Next, Kim's mother Sue shares a few activities we can do to help us better relate to what life is like not being able to see. Even when um, Kim started going to to kinder and school, um, Vision Australia would go around and uh, instruct teachers and often they would do activities under blindfold. You know, they might have to walk around the room or um, sit down and eat a meal. Oh, it's just Vision Australia's way of of helping, um, you know, the new environment sort of ease into having a blind person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that often get... Mm. and, and. Things like, um, I think I remember Kim telling me about, you know, the kids would have to take their shoes off and yeah. they'd be put into a pile and they'd have to find their find own their shoes own with a blindfold. blindfold on, things like that. So and yeah, they might have to eat their lunch in, under blindfold or go for a walk around the yard or something like that. So As time progressed yeah. too, like as I got older and stuff, I'd get to play, have a greater hand in, in those sorts of things as well. So students would actually get to hear from me, you know, what this is what I need. This is how you can support me. So that was, yeah, it was pretty cool. I kind of enjoyed watching them flounder around being all scared. 
No, Sue, have you done any of these activities? Uh, a few of them. <laughs> How'd you go? Yeah, okay. The one thing, I mean, you know, getting back to the more serious stuff, the one thing I did find very hard was actually eating under blindfold. It was an activity I didn't want to do, and I still to yeah. this day have never done it. <laughs> um, silly things like, you know, whereas before perhaps if you got up in the night, um, I'd put a light on, I'd start to walk around the house with no light on just to get a bit of a feel, um, oh, to yeah. test myself, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And I certainly went for a walk around Vision Australia with a with a sighted guide um, under blindfold. That mm-hmm. was okay. I did that okay. But eating, no. <laughs> to this day, I haven't eaten under blindfold. She doesn't <laughs> let me guide her around. It's very sad, really. <laughs> She doesn't let you drive? What no. is the matter? What kind of a well, parent are you? Come on, I could stick my cane out the window. <laughs> I, think. I, I think there would be some people on the road that might have a problem with That's that. That's fine. <laughs> and I she's can go done as fast that. as I like. She's done that at Sandown. They have a yeah. day where they have blind... Wait, wait, wait. What? What? Yeah. yeah, they have a day they call it in the driver's seat. It's put on by, I can't remember if it's like the so Lions Club. I hope you're in the middle of some big, big field. It's no, actually it was Sandown, a, the Sandown Racetrack. racetrack. Uh, a racetrack? Yeah. Have you done this? Yeah, I've done it a few times. Got up to about 140 kilometers no. per hour. With mum in the fun. back. With mum in the back. <laughs> what were you thinking, Sue? <laughs> uh, she's got life insurance, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, 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 they take you in these cars... Now, did, I, I'm hoping that the guy has a, a brake on his side. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So it's driving, like if you're doing driving yeah. lessons, you know, okay. how they've got an accelerator okay. and a brake. And I'm feeling a, a little much. bit better yeah, about this It's actually this driving instructors are in the passenger seat. Oh, so okay. All right. Do they have a steering wheel as well? Take control if they need to. They didn't oh. have a steering wheel, but they always had their hand on the steering wheel while oh, they were steering. Okay. I remember once what, what, having What a, is the purpose? I mean, it's just, just for fun or what? Just for fun, yeah. Do you like just it? to give the blind yeah, people a sense of what it is to drive, I guess. It's great, great. I did have a driver who told me to go left instead of right and he had to put the brake on very quickly when I was about to kind of hit a fence. Oh. So. Yeah, I think as, screaming an instru- in the back. <laughs> yeah. as an instructor, they, <laughs> they have to know their left from the right pretty good, I'd imagine. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, some blind people even tell them to use, like, you know, if you think of the steering wheel as a clock face. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So that can give you an idea of how sharp you need to turn, you know, if it's just one or two o'clock or four or five o'clock, it's... Okay. You know, like yep. if you say 11 o'clock, you're going to turn your wheel slightly to the left. Yep. If it's 2 o'clock, you're going to turn it slightly to the right, you know. Yeah. Um, 3 o'clock is obviously indication that it's a sharper turn, you know. So some people like the drivers to do it that way. Other people are happy with slight left, slight right, straighten up. Like, Yeah, so it can't be easy for the instructors, and I've definitely encountered some fairly nervous ones in my time uh, doing that. So, Sue, what was it like being in a car driven by a blind person? Scary. <laughs> now that's faith, you, you, right there. You, um, you get in thinking, oh yeah, I'll do this. It's okay. There's I'm a, supportive of a, my a dri- daughter. I'm yeah. supportive of my daughter. There's a driving instructor there, and then when you're going along the uh, the straight, do they call it? Not up on uh, racetrack yeah, yeah. lingo, yeah. but um, and you're going at 120 k, knowing that your blind daughter is driving you. You're thinking, <laughs> stop! I want to get off. <laughs> Uh, now, 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 Kim. Yeah. Were you happy that your mother decided that she trusted you and she got in the car that you were driving? Oh, it was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it, it's kind of. I, I can imagine it would have been scary because even me, you know, having driven myself, I've gotten in the car with my other vision impaired friends and been like, "What on earth am I thinking?" <laughs> so I can totally relate to it. Um, but yeah, like it, it's kind of cool that 
people are willing to share those sorts of experiences with you. You know, I mean, obviously, while there was a, a kind of flicker of what am I doing, you know, mum knew that there was a driving instructor there who, who, who had, had a, a break. break, you know, yeah, yeah. so <laughs> there was that kind of reassurance. But, yeah, uh, it, it would be, well, it is, having done it, you know, been on both sides of it. When you're driving, you're caught up in, woohoo, this is fun. When someone else is driving and they're also blind, you're like, my gosh. <laughs> is, is this a good idea? Am I crazy? <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> All right. Now, in everyday conversation, we say things like, oh, did you see that movie or did you see such and such? Uh, But then I find myself talking to you saying, well, should I say see that or should I say, oh, did you hear that movie? What are your feelings on these kind of wordings? Uh, Look, um, you know, it's language, isn't it? Um, It's the way people talk to each other. And, you know, obviously being blind, I've had to be open to the possibility that I see things in an entirely different way. So just use normal language. Um, mm. Well, I think that's where we, as parents, when we first found out, we decided, as, as I said, especially having other children, we made a conscious decision not to change the way we talked because, you know, we had to cater for everyone and Kimberly did see things. It was just in a different way. So instead of saying, have a feel of this, we'd say, have a look at this and, you know, perhaps give it to her in her hand instead of, uh, you know, the way we would have with yeah, our I- children, yeah. And again, just to reiterate, like I do live in a world that is predominantly sighted and I have to fit into that. And that in- includes my family as well. Everyone else can see. So, yeah, that is normality. And it's not like I'm being excluded by the fact that people aren't saying hear this instead of watch it, you know. Um, like we said, it's just seeing things in a different way and experiencing life in a different way. And, yeah, I think to change what the language you use singles you out in a way that you don't need to be singled out you're already kind of singled out by your disability itself and everyone knows about it so yeah so i mean if we were driving along uh i would be driving Uh, (laughs) (laughs) so if we were driving along (laughs) and and i said oh there you know we came across something really interesting i said oh look at this um then you maybe proceed to describe what's out of the window out the window that you're pointing out. Oh, we're driving past the most amazing looking beach, the water's smooth, whatever it might be. And, you know, I'll develop a kind of mental picture of what that might be like. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously you don't kind of get the beauty of looking at it, but you're still including me by saying, oh, you know, there's a really nice beach there, you know. Mm-hmm. So the, the idea is to include somebody. And not say, oh, look at this. Oh, no, you can't too well. If you, if you actually change the language you're using, then you're sort of excluding. I know it's it's always done with good intent, but as I say, it kind of singles you out. So, mm. yeah. Well, I have to admit, when you come in the studio, I just, without even thinking, I go over and open up the shades. And I'm like, well, wait a second. Again, oh. very selfish. I've told you I don't <laughs> like having light in here. What are you doing? So an assignment for everybody listening today to be able to better empathize with people who are blind is to have somebody guide you in some activities. Apparently, Sue has not accepted the challenge to eat blindfolded. What what, what are you afraid will happen? I don't know. It's just on that particular day, it was, I don't know, it was all quite overwhelming, to be honest with you. And yeah, that was the last activity. And I said, no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all too hard. <laughs> so I suppose that, it's kind of humiliating. Like For so, me, like I actually have to be kind of strategic with what I order. You know, if I'm out at an Italian restaurant, I won't order spaghetti or fettuccine because it's longer, you know, long pasta. You know, I'd rather order something like a penne so that I can just stab it with a fork, you know. So can oh. be confronting to both eat in public and be seen eating. So well, I can certainly relate to that one. 
Well, that's true. So, I mean, spaghetti, it's noodles. How do you get it on your fork if you can't see it? With difficulty, mate. I just avoid it. (laughs) So Uh, you just don't eat spaghetti in public? I can, but I choose not to. Like something like a penne is easier, or that spiral pasta where you can just stab it with your fork. It's a lot easier to manage. All right. So that's the assignment. Everybody listening today, eat a meal blindfolded or get a guide and go for a walk. I got to say, I think the guiding one's really a good one because it's a good exercise in trust. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've had people yeah. say to me before, you're so trusting. And it's kind of like, well, I have to be. Now, speaking um, of trust. It's either be trusting or be independent. Speaking of trust. Has this helped you in your faith life? Yeah, I would say so. Um, you know, trusting others. And then, you know, there are times where I think even, you know, like I think there is such thing as a spiritual sight and a spiritual blindness. And, yeah, just being open to where God is leading you is really important. And sometimes you do blindly step out in faith, not knowing what's going to happen next. God works in really mysterious ways and say. So, yeah, I guess uh, being blind is kind of an exercise in it in that way. I hadn't really thought of it like that, but yeah, it, it kind of is. Thank you so much for sharing, Kim Black, and also your mother, Sue. Thank you. Thank you. That was Eric Scadabo chatting with Kim Black and her mother, Sue, about Kim's life as a blind person. As we just heard, a great activity that we can all do to help us better relate to not being able to see is to put a blindfold on and have someone we trust lead us around and act as our guide. And actually, that's a perfect picture of how our life should be as we daily let our Heavenly Father lead and guide us, knowing that He can see the things we can't, and that He is a guide that we can put all of our trust in. Some profound truths to dwell on as we go forward being more empathetic to those around us. Well, thanks for joining us for more of Kim's story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. In 1964, fathers and uncles decided that they couldn't live that life anymore. They needed to escape the communist regime and they made the decision that they would choose with God's help to get every one member of the family out of there. And if they got caught, they all would have been put against the wall and got shot. Mm. So they decided they would leave the country, take a, a risk, live or die. Pashka was born in communist Albania and her family made a daring escape from that country's oppressive regime of the 1960s. Her family eventually immigrated to Australia and she says their faith helped them every step of the way on their journey to freedom. We'll hear Pashka and her family's amazing escape story next time. The story, just another way vision is connecting faith to life. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.